Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio. This is the show where conversations save lives. I'm Jeff. I'll be your host tonight on the show. This is episode 107 and I can't hardly believe that, guys. It's episode 107. DW, my co-host, the guy that looks better on TV than on the radio, Dave Wager. How you doing, man? Yeah, you know what? I was on TV once. I will never be on it again. Well, I shouldn't say that, should I? But, <laughs> you, you know, do you know that I was... Now, I'm a guy. I, I played hockey and football in college. I go into this TV interview, and, and they go sit down, and I'm in a barber chair. And this lady comes, no kidding, with this spray makeup. And they pull my hair back and and they they spray my face. How did that go? And I'm going, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> and and now, now they're coming in like with lipstick. I'm like, nope, 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 nope. I'm drawing the line here. Yeah. There's nothing else going on in this face. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, was so, I was so painted. I was so painted. It was unbelievable. Um, anyway, I don't know why I went there, but yeah, it's good to be with you, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Let's introduce all of our guests tonight on the show. I'm excited. We've got a full studio tonight, and of course, Jason back with us, a staple on the show. Jason, good to be with you, man. Oh, it's great to be back, especially when the Packers have been losing. It's it's just great. Calm. It's really good. No, you got to say what you got to say. I'm just speaking truth. <laughs> <laughs> You're speaking truth as a peeps hanging out of your mouth, and uh, the only thing yeah. that's going with the peeps here is the Packers. They've yeah. probably been down on them left and right. Well, I'm with you on that one. It looks like they've been on a diet of peeps, no doubt. They should make Packer peeps. That'd oh, please, probably, please, oh, they probably days. started. Please, <laughs> please. And also with us, Tara K is back on the show. Welcome back, Tara. Hey. Also tonight we've got another very special guest with us because our conversation today is going to be pretty. I think enlightening. It's going to be a, a very full conversation, and you guys can join us. Bill is with us on the show. Bill is a veteran. He served for many years. He still serves in our uh, armed forces and in our security, national security. Bill's going to be a guest tonight talking about this uh, incredible issue that we have about refugees. So, Bill, I want to just say thank you for being with us on the show, and, and welcome. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Tonight, we're going to have a different kind of conversation than we normally have on HopeNet Radio. We're going to talk about an issue that I think matters to every teen, parent, young adult out there, and even every Christian. I think this is such an important topic to talk about, refugees, why America needs refugees. And our series over the next few weeks is going to be on disclaimers. And it's interesting that we live in America, we live in the land of the free, the home of the brave, and many of us are looked at, and the world looks at us as Christians, people of the cross, 
And it seems like living in America, we live with the Christian title with an asterisk at the end of it. And we put kind of some disclaimers in tonight. Our disclaimers we're going to talk about has to do with being as seen on TV. Sometimes you see those commercials that uh, they're seen in a way that looks good on TV. And so when you get to the store, it, it has this sign that says, as seen on TV. And the second one is void where prohibited. We're going to talk about that in the context of some of the things happening over different places of the world that have people who are refugees. Hey, Jeff, let me ask you something. You, you have how many articles you've seen written on this? Is it just a Syrian refugee thing? Well, it was just headlines. So 20,000? Yeah, about 20,000 articles that I just saw just pulling up. Do you think that we have more opinion than we've got facts? <laughs> we've got a ton of opinion on this issue. You ever, you ever think that? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking 20,000... If you were to ask me, like, my opinion, first of all, I'd have to say, you know what, my opinion is, like, worth nothing, probably, on it. And only, I mean, everybody's got an opinion. You don't have to have any information at all to have opinion. Yeah. I mean, did you ever have an opinion about something, Jason, and, and not have any information on it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because anyone can do it. That's you have right. an opinion on... Uh, on uh, how you should uh, place Bears. curtains. It's, it's almost like every time you talk about the Packers. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's an opinion. And you know what? That, that's true, too. You see something, and everybody right. knows how to fix them. Right? Exactly. Everybody yeah, has the solution. Yeah, none of them are yeah. in the meeting room to understand what they're talking about, but everybody knows how to fix them. And see, that's the yeah. opinion. I'm just wondering, Jeff, with all that, just in general, um, you know, Bill here, he, he gets actually the briefings and understands a lot of things. Have you ever read that stuff online, Bill? And does it does it make you mad or does it make you, oh, yeah, these people are right on? It, it, it makes me laugh because, unfortunately, they don't see the whole picture. Okay. And, and, and since they don't see the whole picture, their opinions are worth what? Uh, slim to none and slim left town. Yeah. You know, th it's an interesting topic because we, as we've seen, you know, w with the recent attacks in Paris and, and the airplane over Egypt, there are many things happening in the Middle East. We all uh, have probably seen the news about this civil war, this terrible thing that's going on in Syria. And a lot of people look at this issue of refugees coming to the United States and some people are on one side of the fence where they say we need to bring in these people from all over the world because they need a safe place to state and other people are looking at this and saying well there's these certain kinds of people we can't allow them to come into our nation close our borders and build walls and everything else and and so there's so many polar opposites going on here around this issue and and i kind of wonder with all the confusion do you think the confusion is lending to these kinds of attitudes oh absolutely um it's just a matter of getting the facts straight one step at a time unfortunately the the recent in incidents in france and with the the russian airliner and ongoing conflict with ISIS and everything. A, a lot of things aren't uh, going very well uh, for the, the, the Syrian refugees uh, and them trying to uh, escape that. And the, the one main concern that we have with uh, within, obviously, the nation and Department of Homeland Security, where I work, is the wolves in sheep, sheep clothing. And mm. uh, it's pretty much a, we need to establish a checks, checks and balance thing. And... Um, we need to make make sure that, sure that we do this right because we don't want to open up our borders to the wrong to the wrong people. Mary, let me ask you something. Do you want to help people get better? Oh, a absolutely. See, absolutely. I know your heart. I know you yeah. do. As, as long as it's the right people, their intentions are are pure. Just like when the immigrants came over here to us. I mean, my grand great 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 grandparents were were immigrants. Yeah. They came over here. They really wanted a new life. They wanted to work. They wanted to establish this. It, but you know they they didn't have any ill thoughts. They they didn't have hey listen, 
you know, I, I lost my homeland. I'm going to come over and wreck yours. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me just ask you, what is the problem? Why is there a problem? We're looking at it as a nation saying, boy, some people are saying we should be Christian and loving and take everybody in. Some people are saying, don't take anybody in. The governors are saying we want to close our states. What, can you help us understand what the problem is here, really, since you know kind of on the inside what the problem is? What what can you tell us to help us understand this issue? Well, what it, what it boils down to is is getting getting all the right information and putting it together in in, in a complete portfolio, a, a, a complete package. And uh, someone uh, in, in our government, hopefully our president, would be able to share this information in such a way to where everybody can get on the same sheet, sheet of music. Right now, just like what uh, you guys have been talking about for the last few few minutes, everybody has their own opinions. Some are far left, some are far far right. But it's just a matter of if if we can do this in some kind of a, a, a organized protocol fashion and bring in small groups to where they're carefully screened to make sure that these people are who, who they say, say they are. I can tell you right now it's it's extremely difficult to do a background investigation on someone from the Middle East. It's very time-consuming. It, it, it's, it, it's a very uh, serious financial burden. But we, we just need to be able to set up certain things in, in, in a very specific order to make sure that we do it right. Because once we, we let the, these pe- people in, it, it's going to be hard to get, get them out. Tonight we're going to have a, a conversation about this because as we're entering into now what it seems like started about a month ago, the Christmas season, and how do we how do we have the right attitude about this issue of immigration? These are real people, real situations, real lives at stake here. And the other part of it is how does faith intersect with this? We're going to talk with Tara about some of the things that are happening with refugees even now. What's going on? How are refugees living here in the United States and what's happening around really? outside of our neighborhood here. So we're going to talk about this on the show tonight. Join us on the Tweetback. If you are on Twitter, you can join this conversation with us. Just use the hashtag HNRTB. And this conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Hi, this is Dave Wager, a voice you normally hear on HopeNet Radio. And when I'm not doing radio, one of my favorite things to do is teach at the Nicolay Bible Institute. I invite you to check out this one-year Bible and service program at NicolayBibleInstitute.org. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at HopeNet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Jeff, DW, Tara K, Jason, and Bill with you. We're glad to have you guys with us on the show. And you can join the conversation with us, chat with us right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. You can also share your thoughts. You can send an email to hope at hopenet360.com. Also, before I forget, I, don't, I never forget about this, but it's important to know if tonight, if you're dealing with something difficult in your life, you're trying to wrestle with some stuff going on, and this topic may be a little bit off to you, we want you to know that you can always go and chat with a live coach anytime at hopenet360.com. So, guys, uh, this part of the show, I, I want to make sure we actually discuss definitions. Go figure. Dave's always the guy that's talking about definitions, but I think it's important to talk about uh, and Tara's with us tonight on the show, that we need to figure out what it means to be a refugee. And so I want to know, Tara, what is a refugee? What's the process like for people that are coming, looking for a, a safe place to go, and, and especially crossing a, a huge body of water just to get to a safe place? That's 
It's an interesting thing to me. Yeah. I can let you know what I know from the perspective of my experience. My Most of my experience, however, is on the other side of it. So once a person gets here, we set up uh, at World Relief, we set up connections in the community, resources to assist them in establishing their life here. But from what I do know, I'll share and then maybe um, Bill might ha- be able to add some more about the security and things that, that happen. Mm-hmm. But right now, uh, World Relief is one of 10 refugee resettlement agencies in the country. We have 25 different offices around the country. And we are a faith-based nonprofit organization that was started back in the 1940s after World War II by evangelical churches that came together wanting to help people build up their lives after the war. Uh, So in the years after that, it became a resettlement agency. And we do also have offices in other countries working on economic development and things like that in the country itself so that in doing conflict resolution to try to eliminate these kind of conflicts so that people don't have to be refugees and leave their homeland. Most of the people that I've worked with, in fact, maybe all, don't want to leave their homeland, but they've had to because of persecution or fear of persecution. So that is the basic definition of a refugee, Mm -hmm. is a person who's fleeing their country because of persecution or fear of persecution. So I think it's important to know what the definition is between the difference of a refugee, someone who's been given refugee status versus an immigrant or an illegal alien, because those often get mixed. Um, the people that we work with are not illegal aliens. They have been given legal refugee status, but that's different. That's kind of like a temporary status. And then after a year of being here, they can apply for their green card. And then eventually after five years, they can apply for citizenship. Now, in order to get refugee status, there is um, a lengthy system of checks, security checks, background checks, usually about a two-year process, sometimes longer, and that actually happens through the UNHCR. They handle giving uh, refugee status, people apply, they go through an interview process. Then once it's determined which country someone is going to, there's about 10 countries that do refugee resettlement. Um, once it's determined they're going to come to the United States and it goes through the, the Department of State and then it goes to the, one of the resettlement offices, if it goes to World Relief, um, our home office in Baltimore, Maryland, then decides which office in the United States that that family is going to come to. And, and it's based off of which offices have translators set up, assistance, and usually we resettle people from the same area so that they can also help each other out. And because we have translators set up for those languages. Hmm. So the people that we receive have gone through quite a lengthy process. And a lot of those families have been, first of all, through very traumatic experiences in their own country because of the civil war that's going on, the persecution that's going on. A lot of the people, we, we have a large Congolese population right now. There's uh, so much inner conflict going there. And a lot of it is based off of um, what, what, uh, family people are born into, like the Hutus and the Tutsis. I thought that was just a Rwanda thing, but it's actually um, the Congolese also experienced that. So it's simply based off of what family they were born into, mm-hmm. um, possibly, or what religion they are, or the Civil War is is really where the persecution happens. Once that they apply for a refugee status, or once they flee their, their home country, they go to what's called a country of asylum. So that's usually a neighboring country. And Ultimately, we'd want them to maybe resettle there, but most of the neighboring countries don't have the ability to be able to permanently resettle them. So oftentimes there will be in a refugee camp. Many of our refugees have been in camps their whole lives, some of them 15 years, some of them longer. Some of the kids were born and raised in a refugee camp where they have live in a tent and get minimal mm-hmm. rations. Um, once they apply then for refugee status and are approved, sometimes family members don't get approved at the same time as other family members. So we have ex- we experience a lot of times where 
a mom and children get approved and the husband is still in the home country. And that's where we really have the greatest need for people to surround us, especially churches, to help these families out who are missing their person who would be their provider or vice versa, where we have the husband is here and the wife and the kids. Some of them haven't seen their families in five years or longer because of the the background check process. And yeah. we don't always know what the holdup is for that. But once they're here, then we provide um, employment assistance. We provide resources to help them. We search for housing for them. We uh, get don- gather donations to put furnishings in their home so that they can have an opportunity to start a new life here. So a lot of times I get people that say to me, you know, oh, these people are taking jobs away from Americans. But really, the agencies that assist us in helping people find jobs are also helping low-income people in general look for job assistance. So it's not like they're specifically favoring these clients. They're helping um, all low-income people, which just happens to be our refugee clients at the time. But once they... um their goal is to get a job. They they get a loan to travel here, so they have to repay their travel loan mm. within eight months. So it's um, it, there's a lot of pressure on us to help them find a job, but we've had many success stories. We had our first refugee client um, purchase his first home after being here for three years. Now has been able to purchase his own home. We've seen families reunited. We just had one in Green Bay where the family hadn't seen each other in five years. Mm. I mean, I couldn't imagine yeah. not seeing my family in that amount of time. So these are the kind of experiences that I know personally of refugees, but I know as a whole, sometimes it's easy to group everyone together and what we see on the media. But um, once you get to know the people that we've been able to resettle and we go through quite a process, um, we get audited, we make sure that we're going about the things that we need to do to be a uh, legitimate resettlement agency. Plus, we also go above and beyond because we're based on Christian values and want the people here to know why we do what we do. Yeah. You know, it sounds, Derek, like you, you guys are, once again, the private sector is doing what the public sector can't do. You're actually loving and caring and, and trying to mentor and trying to, and the public sector doesn't do that too well. They have a hard time reaching out in that way. So, um, I find it fascinating, and I think that people ought to see what you're doing and, and get behind your organization and get behind you and, and, and help you get that done. My question to Bill would be uh, a similar question is, this sounds like a pretty good organization. It's oh, it's, it's absolutely legit. Yeah, okay, so that, that, that's good. And that's how those are the kind of organizations that would be helpful to our government as far as... Absolutely. Unfortunately, there's the, the, the other ones. And which are what? Well, I don't want to mention any names. No, no but names, but yeah. let's call them cardboard ones. They, they look good on the outside, but in exactly. the inside, they're, they're, they're set up storefront. as a front yes. to really do, just get people here. And there are organizations like that? Too, too many. Okay, so that that's probably the knee-jerk reaction thing, because there's people that may get through those cardboard organizations and that, that aren't going through uh, world relief organizations, because it, you would think that the world relief people would pick up on on issues that they need to deal with. Yeah. And and the cardboard organizations are there. Maybe is there money funneled to these organizations? Is that the way they get them set up? Yes. It, it, it's it, it's a, like a very complicated system, money laundering. Uh, unfortunately, there there's human trafficking involved. It, it's 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 a very complex thing. So corrupt. so people set it up basically for self gain, and then and and then it doesn't really accomplish what it should anyway. Absolutely, which is totally anti Christian because we don't do things just for self gain, and and yet world relief what they're doing is something that we can uh, all back up. So anyway, that's kind of a little bit of perspective, I guess. Terry, I really appreciate you know just taking time for you know talk about what you guys do and and refugees. We've resettled people years ago. I mean, you said this is World War Two kind of ask era that you guys were birthed out of and so there are, there are many refugees that are already in America right 
Yeah, since World Relief started, it was called the um, the War Commission, but in about the 70s, I think, is when it changed over to resettlement. And okay. since then, we the United States has resettled about 3 million refugees and never had a problem that yeah. we're like we're facing right now. When we come back, we're going to talk about this. What are the realities of refugees in America? And we'll talk about some of the issues that kind of come up with that when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio and Q90FM. Hi, I'm Tara Kay. World Relief is excited to partner with HopeNet Radio listeners this Christmas to provide welcome kits for newly resettled refugees. World Relief Fox Valley has resettled 135 refugees this year in Northeast Wisconsin. Show them what Christmas is all about by giving the gift of a welcome kit. Check out HopeNet360.com slash welcome. That's HopeNet360.com slash welcome. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to the show. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. And uh, while you're there, too, if you need to, you can chat with a live coach anytime. Visit HopeNet360.com. Click on that Talk to a Live Coach button there on our website. Jeff, DW, Tara K, Jason, and Bill on the show tonight. We're talking about a very complex issue that's unfolding before our eyes around the world and even impacting us in America. What do we do with refugees and tonight's show is all about that i want to talk about uh, with tara as as a person here who does work right hand in hand with refugees bringing them you know not bringing them here but when they come here where do they go and you've talked about how you guys have been doing this for quite a number of years as an organization as world relief has what are the realities do we have i mean is this isn't new as far as resettling people who are probably from more of a muslim background this isn't new for us is it since 2012, we have World Relief Fox Valley has resettled 443 people okay. in Appleton and Oshkosh, and a large majority are Iraqi. Um, we also resettle Congolese, Burmese, um, Sudanese, a few Cubans. So lots of different people from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually are very fortunate to have an, a, one of our caseworkers is Iraqi, so he speaks Arabic and he is very instrumental in helping our clients adapt to American culture and about how to navigate maybe some of the different cultural norms that they have experienced in their own country and how it's different here. Yeah. Um, so we're very fortunate to have that. We also are very fortunate to have churches partner with us um, and what we call a good neighbor team. So we really, our, our actual, our mission statement is to empower the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Yeah. And, um, really our goal is to, to get good neighbor teams as groups of maybe four to five households of people that come together. And as soon as our clients come here, they set up the home for them. They set up donations. Um, they meet them at the airport. They help us uh, by taking them to appointments. But really the most important part of that process is becoming a friend to them. Yeah. We have lots of incredible volunteers and we always need individual volunteers. So if you're not part of a church or you don't, um, your whole church couldn't get together to do this, you, we definitely need individual volunteers to be even community mentors or to help us with other tasks. But we really want to connect families, especially with either a community mentor, an individual, or a good neighbor team, somebody that they can connect to and to help them when we can't maybe pass the 90 days or with things that we couldn't help them with. And yeah. 
especially within the church, because um, many of these good neighbor teams now have invited these families to their churches and they've become just an integral part of their church. Mm-hmm. So I actually have a, a, friend, a friend of mine who actually does ministry out in California, and their ministry is to help refugees um, that have come through World Relief. They help student refugees. So they introduce them to church. A lot of them are Muslim backgrounds. They introduce them to church. They take them on retreats. And that's really important for the young people, especially because it can be, um, they've had probably a lot of moving happen in their life if they were in a refugee yeah. camp or having to run from their home. And now here dealing with American culture. So yeah. I think it's such an opportunity for a lot of people don't see that as an opportunity, but if you think about it, a lot of these people in the countries that they were living in, how many of them might have even been exposed to the gospel there or have ever had the opportunity to be? And that, that's an important distinction to make. And Bill, I'm kind of interested in your perspective. How has refugees, resettlement, all this, how has it changed over the last 20 years? Oh, it's it's definitely uh, changed. There's there's uh, always uh, ongoing uh, low-intensity conflicts is what, is, what, is what we call it throughout the world. And uh, for for a number of reasons, several different kinds of people uh, make their way to the United States. So I would say that it's it, it's growing uh, since World War II uh, and, and other different conflicts as they arise throughout the uh, throughout the world for different reasons. So we're 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 on an incline, yeah. and uh, I don't see it slowing down at any time. Yeah. Can can I throw some perspective in here? Please go ahead, Jason. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, in a suburb of Chicago, the murder capital of the world. Yep. Mm. Should we let Chicagoans come to Wisconsin? I did. He slipped through. <laughs> <laughs> Should we let Bears fans come you to know, Wisconsin? I, I think sometimes it, I, I, I just let's throw in perspective things out. But, but, but in perspective, we in the United States of America have many people who are violent and angry and upset about life. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's not unusual that that's not all over the world. The problem is really sin. Yeah. It, it isn't anything else. It's sin. It's separation from God. It's a separation from understanding his love and responding to him. The answer is the same for everybody in Chicago and around the world. So I just want to keep that in perspective if I can. The other thing I was thinking is, Jason, you're more into the Internet than I am, and some of you millennial people are more into it. But when people uh, sit and they, they give their opinion, their preponderance of opinions yeah. about things, do they ever put any real feet to their opinions, or is it just I get to say blah 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 on the internet and and then go have dinner and, and i forget about it i would say more oftentimes than not people read a few headlines and then formulate an opinion based on a couple of tweets and, yeah and, and then they just they just have yeah. they're good with words and they put them down because i'm thinking here you know tara k was just explaining a, a great system where we can actually have accountability we, we ought to be flooding her organization with with people who are saying i'm concerned about this immigrant thing well then get off the couch and go over there and say you know what, let me be a friend to one of these people so I can watch them and I can help them and I can help mold them and make them who they should be rather than just dump them in this country. I mean, it's one thing to get on the Internet with an opinion and say something. It's another thing to actually do something with your life and say, you know, I'm going to go do something. Or, or even more, I don't know if any of you guys know the answer to this one. Are there, are there a lot of orphans in the refugee camps? Yes. Yeah, I would say there has to be. I don't know. I mean, I'm talking about ignorance here. Why doesn't Christians around the United States... You talk about changing the, the focus of future. Adopt the kids. I mean, let's adopt these kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they've got to live in a family that, that is going to teach them a different ideology and, and understanding of Christianity. I don't know if there's organizations out there that work at um, helping Christian families adopt refugee kids who are orphans. There's got to be orphans out there that, that need help. And, 
And those orphans, if they were put into a, simulated into a family, I mean, they're surrounded by a different thought process and surrounded by, by things. And I know it wouldn't be without challenge, but I guess my point is simple. It's, it's easy to get on the internet and say, I've got this opinion about not accepting them or, or <laughs> accepting them or, yeah. or anything else. But it's hard to get off the couch and do something. Uh, and, and I think words are so cheap that we're all tired of them. Jason, what's your favorite food besides peeps? <laughs> Pizza. Pizza. So if I, uh, did you ever have a peep pizza? I just wondered. No, that, that would be <laughs> sick. All right, let's forget that. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. But let's say that, that so Jason comes in and every day I, I, I make him a, his favorite pizza. Every day for breakfast, for lunch, for dinner, every day pizza for, for the next 10 years, every day. You know, the preponderance of pizza makes the pizza not so valuable anymore. Can you say that five times fast? The preponderance of pizza makes the pizza not valuable anymore. <laughs> I, 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 no, I get, I get so, what you're okay. saying. I'm afraid that the internet, with the millennial generation, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, the preponderance of opinions and words are making them so less valuable to me. It seems like there are so many people speaking about things they do not comprehend and do not understand that, that now, as you read it, it's like it doesn't even matter what you said. It's like, well, you, you dissing my opinion? I'm not dissing your opinion. I'm dissing the fact that you have an opinion about something that you don't know anything about. Yeah, yeah. And, right. and that's what bugs me. Yeah. All right, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> it should it should bother us. I mean, the the reality is, is I'm even ignorant. I mean, I don't see the full picture. I don't know that any one of us does. Can I quote you on that? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you can. You can totally quote me on that. I, I think it's Jeff always important. That's why we encourage you know things like mentoring. We encourage uh, people actually having dialogue because the way I see it doesn't necessarily make it true. The way that someone else sees it, even my pastor on the stage, bless his heart, they may not see it fully in the bright picture. That we need to have real conversations about things that impact each of us and not just from a, a flesh perspective a human perspective but even a spiritual perspective because the church needs to ask these questions just as much as, as anybody else does is how do we see god working through all of these things how do we as christians what is our response dave you, you said it's it's one thing to sit on the couch and have an opinion on it but we, do. we need to get off the couch well some people are getting off the couch and they're responding in a way that's really not Christ-centered. It's really not about the gospel. It's about them being afraid, or it's about them having an opinion that somebody else has. And so they want to go and make an example. I don't know. There are things that are happening in our culture. And, and Bill, you can probably speak to this just much better than I can about what things are really happening uh, from a security standpoint. But we need to have a dialogue. We need to talk about this. We need to have a right perspective. And then that the only perspective that really matters is how God sees it. So we're going to talk about this in the second half of HomeNet Radio. Join us for that. Be a part of the tweet back if you're not a part of it already. Use the hashtag HNRTB. And this conversation will continue here on HomeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. Hi, this is Dave Wager, a voice you normally hear on HopeNet Radio, and I'd love to invite you, our listening guest, to a special weekend at the Wolf River Refuge, sponsored by Silver Birch Ranch, a time where we get together and learn how to really study the Bible. We call it Digging Deeper. It'll be held February 19th to 21st. You can find more information at wolfriverrefuge.org. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. If you miss any part of this conversation tonight, make sure to go back, subscribe to the podcast at HopeNet360.com slash podcast. You can listen back to previous episodes on your favorite podcasting app. 
And while you're there, too, leave us a review. So if you subscribe on iTunes, on TuneIn Radio, Stitch Radio, any podcasting app that you use, leave us a review because what that does is it helps other people find this these kinds of conversations. And when they find them, we hope that it inspires hope in a person who's looking for hope, who's looking maybe for real answers, real conversations that we should have in our day-to-day life. So that's the whole goal on HopeNet Radio. We start the conversation, and hopefully it's, it's a conversation that leads to hope. It doesn't lead to despair doesn't lead to anxiety or fear, but it, it really encourages us to have real, meaningful conversations. So, Jeff, DW, your host tonight, Jason's with us on the show. Tara Kay is back with us as well. We've got a very special guest, Bill. He's a veteran. He works uh, now with national security and has some real insights, real insights about what's going on in our world today from a security standpoint. Things that may not make it to the front page of the news even, but there are things that impact us every single day that we just don't see so and tonight our conversation is about refugees you know we see in, in things that have been going on in syria for example but other parts of the world too where we've got people that are looking for a safe place to go now that they've been moved and and they have to leave where they're at because of one situation or another many times it's war many times it's poverty or hunger and so just trying to find shelter trying to find food trying to find a, a safe place to go and it's not available in their own native land for whatever reason so these are complex issues we don't have the right opinions on the show necessarily because we are all looking through our finite perspective but we hope that it encourages a way to have meaningful dialogue about these things and guys before we went into the break we kind of talked a little bit i asked the question about september 11th and how that changed and i would say there has to be a way that 9-11 september 11th 2001 changed the landscape of how people were admitted as refugees in the united states of america and Jason, I know you and I were both sophomores in high schools at that time. And, That's right. And I don't know, your perspective might be different than mine, but do you remember 9-11? I do. I do, actually, very vividly. Um, like you said, I was a sophomore in high school. I remember it was uh, my second period class. Um, it was chemistry. And back, I don't know if they still have this in high school, but they had like the PA system that oh, yeah. went in every classroom, uh, that sort of thing. And so they came over the PA and I remember very vividly, they said, our nation is under attack, the the World Trade Center, a plane flew into the World Trade Center, you know, that sort of thing. And it was just like, kind of surreal. Yeah. Because at least in my lifetime at that point, I mean, being a sophomore in high school, you're only 15. Um, at least in my lifetime, we never experienced an attack on our homeland. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, when I was a little bit younger, you had the Gulf War, which was overseas, and it wasn't really that big of a deal. Um, but like you said, Jeff, I really think it changed our mindset, even subconsciously, um, to how we react to different situations in the world. I mean, even remembering that day very vividly, I remember even, you know, like I said, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, and being a bigger city, you know, they grounded all the planes that day, and I remember, you know, throughout that day, hearing jets zipping overhead, you know, just back and forth, because they were monitoring the airspace over Chicago, because at that point, we didn't know what was going to happen. Mm. I mean, I it remember... felt like a foreign country, almost. It was crazy, because point. it seemed like every, you know, first it was the, the towers, and it's like, all right, a plane flew into the Pentagon, a plane flew here. It's like, there's planes flying all over the place hitting things. Is it going to happen close to home? Mm. You know, at least closer to my home, not, right. not just America. And Sears Tower was a, a target, I believe. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think I it think was. So. Yeah. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so that it would have just even brought it, you know, more of a reality. But even even in in my mindset afterwards, I think, you know, with with even the Syrian crisis and other things that have happened in our in our world since then, 
you know, when I was younger, when things would happen overseas, you didn't really think it had an, a literal impact here at home. You know, so say going back to the Gulf War, it was happening, but it was like, okay, it's over on the other side of the world. It really doesn't impact us here in the States. Yep. But now whenever something happens significant anywhere else in the world, our natural inclination is protect ourselves. Mm. You know, and I think that's that's the, the instant, you know, subconscious reaction even here with, with what just happened in Paris. It's like, all right, that just happened in Paris. All of a sudden now we've been dealing with, with the Syria issue, but it's all of a sudden our mindset has changed within the last week and a half because it's like, all right, now we need to protect even more. Mm. Um, and there, even as um, Bill was saying, like we've had things in place and, and our goal is to have things in place to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. But I think oftentimes in this conversation, we, we, we just have that knee gut reaction. We see headlines and we just want to react and our natural reaction is protect, you know, but it, it, it's, it's deeper than that. You gotta, you gotta look at the entire situation and get informed on the issue so you can really understand what's going on. And, and that's, you know, I've, I've been enjoying the show because it really helps get more in depth and see kind of below the surface the issue altogether, you know, of how we can help and also protect where we're at and, and how to even respond as believers. Bill, let me ask you this. Do you think people in America need to be afraid of Muslims and people that are coming in that might have different ideologies than we do? I wouldn't say people need to be afraid. I would I would maybe use a different word of, you know, weary, maybe even concerned, but not not in a bad way. The the United States, we, we obviously you guys know that we have our own issues going on here with uh you know, our own uh, domestic uh, uh terrorists with, you know, active shooter incidences. I mean, you guys can you know watch the news media and, and find out different instances that are going on. I would just ask that that if if, if people are going to form an opinion, uh, please you know do their homework. Don't don't be one of those guys that just jumps on the bandwagon because you got nothing else better to do. Please gather your research. Please you know make sure it's it, it's from a valid, certified source. And then you know your your opinion is going to have more weight. It, it's going to be it's going to be based on facts and not what's going on with Facebook or Twitter or any of that other stuff. Here, can, can I throw a bit of scripture here? In Please. This, if I may. James 1, it says this, and this would be a great guideline for anybody that's forming an opinion on, on uh, the Internet or wherever. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. You know, I mean, if you look at this, it's, it's, it's very clear. It, it's so easy for me to look at something and evaluate something based on what I think in the moment and what I feel in the moment. I, I need to stop for a moment, and, and I need to be slow to speak and, and slow to anger. I mean, when I see stuff happening in Paris or 9-11, it's so easy to throw everybody under the bus. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's easy to do that. I remember reading about it. I don't remember living through World War II. Reading about how we treated some very, very great Japanese citizens here in the United States. It was a mistake to do that. It wasn't that we weren't under attack. We didn't know how to be under attack. I mean, we hadn't been that way before. And, yeah. and I think we learned a great lesson. But but the knee-jerk reaction was to take everybody that was Japanese and say, you must be a, a terrible person. Yeah. And and the sad thing is many of them have lived in our country for a long time. They're, they're as much American as anybody else mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm Swedish and Danish and there's other nationalities here. And, you know, if Sweden did something stupid, I, I, I would be sorry if they grabbed me and threw me in jail because I'm Swedish. You know, I, I, I've been here all my life and I've been doing a great job. Uh, 
job being an American citizen, I think. So I think it's it's a perspective thing, but you go to the Word, and, and, and God always has an answer. And the answer is be slow to speak. Mm-hmm. Be quick to hear. Try and understand the situation first. It's like going through the airport since 9-11. It is a real pain to go through an airport <laughs> since 9-11. Yeah. You know? But be slow to get angry because think of the alternative. Think of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. We're trying to identify those who are willing to, to strap bombs to themselves and blow themselves up and kill a lot of people. See, we don't have that mind frame as, as a, a Judeo-Christian nation. We don't have it. So we weren't really looking for people that had that mind frame. So I just want to get on the plane because I can identify, you know, idiots. I, I can identify that. But, but now we can't anymore because they're willing to blow themselves up. So now when I look at the situation, I go, okay, it is a bit of inconvenience. But thank you for looking out for the, the, the United States citizens so that we can get on an airplane and travel somewhere and not get blown out of the sky. You know, I, I appreciate that. And I think that's where when you slow down to think about it, you're more thankful and less, less angry about everything. And I hope our Christian people aren't angry about things. We should be thoughtful about things. And the thoughtfulness is the big part of it. And for me, I have a hard time believing that every single refugee that would come over to the United States would be absolutely willing to do something like that, which to me would be unthinkable. And I understand like it's an ideology part of it, but I also wonder too, as Christians, you know, what should our response be? What, you know, with this being such a, a complex issue and, and it's not just about letting new refugees come to America, but even the ones that are here already. I mean, there are many people who differ in their views, their ideology, if you will, their perspective on life and, and really what it means to live life. And so we want to talk about this, especially in light of what it means for our freedom, even. So I want to talk about this when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. This conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. Hey, I'm Tiger McClellan from Youth Leadership. Recharge is coming to Green Bay this February. We know a lot of adults, parents, a lot of youth ministries that are filled with caring people who love children and love kids, but haven't really had the opportunity to be equipped, given practical ideas on how to do that desire more effectively. Every children's ministry worker, every youth worker hopes that their ministry makes a difference in their small group works, that confirmation impacts those kids, but hope is not a strategy. To learn more about Recharge, visit ministryrecharge.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Glad that you joined us here tonight for this conversation. And, you know, you can feel free to disagree with us. You can feel free to have your own opinions. That's okay. We encourage that on the show. Jeff, Dita with you tonight, talking about why America needs refugees. And we look in our in our media, and we look out in our world, and we think, some people think, well, we need to be afraid of people that are coming into our country that, you know, we're not sure about and who might differ from us and have different ideology than we do. And then there are some of us that stand on the exact opposite side and say we need to allow everybody to come, to come into America that needs a place to go and, and to be here. And, and I kind of wonder as a Christian, sometimes how do we wrestle with these issues because they are complex because they involve real lives real people you know real children real families real situations and and real struggles real trials that people are going through and then we have different belief systems so this is also complicated in that i may not agree on a lot of things with people that are coming into my country and so for some reason 
there tends to be my natural reaction would be that I should be afraid, leery, reconsidering some things. And, you know, in, when I read the Bible, when I read the gospel, when I re- read about what Jesus said, uh, there are things that make me question if that's the right way to look at it. Because I think one of the one of the stories that has come up in some threads that I've seen is the story of the Good Samaritan. Many of you guys know this story. And it talks about there was a guy that was beaten, was robbed, was left to die in the road. And, and a bunch of Jewish people, uh, their religious leaders, different people passed by. This guy didn't help him. Dave, why don't you share about the, the Good Samaritan story? <laughs> yeah, you know what's interesting is that the, the Good Samaritan is really about a real prejudicial case where the Samaritans were hated by the Jewish people. There's a guy that got robbed, beat up. Two Jewish guys walked right by him, and they were religious guys. But it was a Samaritan who stopped and helped him. It was a Samaritan who took care of his needs. Now, now what's interesting there, again, is, is that there was somebody who went out of their way to help somebody else. As a Christian, as one who loves God, that's what we do. We help people. We want them to be the best they can be. We, we also understand that there's a, a spiritual battle going on, and this battle is real. And if Satan can take out those who are loving God and walk with him, he would. But God stops him from doing that. Mm. So there's there's battles on every front. There's spiritual battles. And, and, and Satan uses things in this world to the, the sinful things of this world. You know, I, I, we haven't talked much about um, the idea of Islam being really an ideology instead of a religion. And I think I would invite our guests to look at it and see that, that it isn't just about Allah, it's not about it's not about a god. It's really an ideology, very similar to Hitler, very similar to Mussolini. It's an idea of, of how they can take over the world and have power. It's a, it's a it's an it's a religion of power where where the weak are abused, women are owned, children who disobey are dismembered. I mean that kind of stuff. That is a different thought process than it's taught in the Bible, and a different thought process than we live under here in the United States of America. Yep. And and to have somebody join our system, or as uh, Bill would say, our sandbox. If you're going to play in our sandbox, you know we need to know that you understand the rules that are in the sandbox. Otherwise, there's a ripple effect. And you know, um, Bill, I'm wondering as I walk through life, though, should I be scared or cautious? Or I mean, it's now everybody that's got a Middle Eastern look or accent, do I have to? Do I have to put my guard up? Do I have to? I mean, what what are we asking people in our nation to actually do? Is it is there a balance between fear and one thing I have to say about about Bill that I appreciate? He is passionate about making sure that guys like myself and 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 Jason and Tara and uh, Jeff, that, that we can live our lives in freedom and not even know that they're out there protecting us. I mean, th- that's one of the coolest things about our Homeland Security Department, our, our federal protection officers. I mean, they are in places so that you and I can enjoy our freedom without even knowing they're there so they don't disturb us. And, and that's an amazing thing, but that's why we don't have the right perspective. We might be running in a marathon in Green Bay or something and not realize how much security is around us at that point because they're trying to give us a normal life. And and in the process, though, they understand the people that are troublesome, and they're watching them. And I would venture to say there's there's probably snipers on buildings and there's all kinds of stuff out there, and they're actually watching the people that they're concerned about to make sure that we could have a, a day where we can rejoice in the fact that we can run a marathon and have a picnic afterwards, and we don't even know they're there. So, I mean, Bill, am I accurate in saying that? Is there a certain amount of uh, that goes on that we're not aware of? And should I be walking around scared or should I be walking around confident? And, and is there a model anywhere in the world that we can follow 
that works with this issue that we're talking about? Is there is there a nation that's doing it right that we could look to? Uh, absolutely. First and foremost, I, I like to use Israel as an example. Uh, since their creation in 1948, they, they've been under uh, battle and, and, and the threat of uh, violence uh, every single day. So um, please uh, look towards them. Um, uh, I wish our nation copycatted more st- of, of the stuff that they did with security protocols and procedures and stuff like that. As far as li- living in fear, um, absolutely not. Um, just, just be alert. Um, uh, Department of Homeland Security just uh, um, adopted an, a program basically says, if you see something, say something. Pick up your phone. Give us a call. So something unusual. Something that's exactly. Out, I mean, we all know it's normal. Ordinary. And Absolutely. if you see something that's not normal. Uh, Just call uh, us. Let us determine what it is. It, it, it might be nothing or it, it might be uh, something. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll use our uh, knowledge, skills, and abilities to, to the best of uh, their capability and uh, fi- figure out what's going on. Uh, unfortunately, this kind of kind of grew wings after the Boston uh, Marathon bombing. When some people saw that the you know when the the Boston bombers put the uh, pressure cookers down in, in backpacks, they they didn't say anything. There there were at, after action reports where, where investigations were done. They they basically said, oh yeah, I was wondering what that backpack was doing there and this that whatever. Well, and no no one said anything. They they just like the Good Samaritan. Yeah. They they walked right by it. Um, so so please be alert. Um, there there's really only two types of people in this world: trained and untrained. Hmm. And I'd really encourage the people that are listening to this show to uh, get out there and uh, get some training. Go go out there and get get some uh, tactical medicine training, so so that if you are involved in an accident, you can render aid to your loved ones, to yourself. And then, um, you know, it, it wouldn't hurt to take some self defense classes and uh, may, maybe a weapon class. I'd love to tell you guys that thing, things are getting better, but unfortunately, they're they're they're, they're not. And uh, I'm sure everybody would love to have a cop in their you know, back pocket or whatever. So whenever they needed them, they're boom, they're they're right there. But unfortunately, uh, cops are few and far between with with the cities that 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 they have to work in. Mm. And the average re- response time is on, on a good day going downhill with the wind is is, is five minutes. Yeah, Israel is 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 really doing it right to the best of. Uh, no, my do they knowledge. train their citizens. Is that what they do? Absolutely. So their citizens are really yes. aware of what's going on. Their their citizens are trained in in weapons, medicine, self defense. Uh, I'm not saying that we have to bring back a mandatory draft, but everybody in Israel has to serve a minimum of two years in the military. Mm. Um, I'm not saying we have to do that, but that's the Israel, the, the, the Israeli mindset is if something happens, it's not going to surprise them. Yeah. It's not going to catch them off guard, and then they're going to go into action. And actually, they take it one step further, and they're proactive. They're not reactive as a nation. And unfortunately, I think that's where the United States catches catches us sometimes. Yeah, you know, I, I was amazed when I saw there were bombs being or missiles being lobbed at them, and there were people out having coffee under an umbrella at a, at a, at a thing, and they were going, "Aren't you afraid?" They go, "No, we know how to deal with this." Yeah, and, and it, it wasn't like they were fearful; they were confident. Yes, we know how to deal with this. We know we're going to get attacked, so we know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And and maybe there's a mind frame switch to uh, our nation as well that we know how to deal with it. We know how to care for people who really need it. We know how to. But but at the same point, it's not fear necessarily. It's wisdom that you're trying to figure out. Sinful people do sinful things. We shouldn't be surprised by that. Yes. Uh, so we need to prepare for that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. When we come back, I want to talk about the Christian response to this. If our greatest fear is people that come over that threaten our lives or our livelihood. Is that really something that Christians need to be afraid of? 
And I want to talk about this because I think there's a bigger question of really what it means to be saved, what it means to be in relationship with Christ, and where our hope really lies. Our hope is not in this world. So we're going to talk about that when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Glad you've joined us for this conversation as we wrap things up. I know this has been a different conversation for what you're used to on this show. We thank you for being a part of it. I think as a Christian, I'm interested in this topic about refugees and how we look at it from a big picture idea. And so I'm glad Tara is able to be on the show this week and, and talking about this because big picture wise, Yes, we've got reality in our world, but small picture, how they really impact my life day to day. I'll be honest, even with when we talk about immigration, which is a different thing from refugees, we've had many people that have crossed our border illegally that have been in our country. I've worked at a job, a workplace that had at least one person that I knew that was probably very good likelihood that he was not here legally. His family was not here legally. And yet I, I've never had a reality where they've shown up on my doorstep and they've threatened my family and, and wanted to do something to cause harm or violence in my world. So personally, my own personal sphere, I'm, I'm in a very seemingly safe bubble. But for many people, and it would seem if you watch the news, we should be afraid of a big picture scale. So you've never met a bear fan, huh? <laughs> no, I, I have and they have. Because if they come to they, your home, wow. you just described it. I sat next to a bear fan at Lambeau Field, so I survived that experience. So that was a close call for me. You should get the Medal of Honor. Yeah, I probably should. (laughs) Purple Heart. Yeah, there you go. Uh, No. Um, No, but, you know, this is a a very lengthy conversation that's hard to do in an hour's time. But, guys, as we wrap things up tonight, looking at this from a Christian perspective, and I'm just going to ask the question, if our greatest fear is that people will come to America and they'll cause violence, even to the extent where I might be killed, is that really something that I should really be afraid of as a Christian? I, I think the question is interesting, but I really think that we're off target here. I think the Bible asks us to do what we can do, not what we can't. Christians that are, are, are thinking about what they can do, have they have they loved the guy next to them, their neighbor? Have they talked to him? Mm-hmm. Do they know the needs in their own neighborhood? Are they trying to figure out how they can help people right now with the resources they have and the people that are around them? Are they doing that first? I mean, to talk about helping somebody far away and what the government's doing when when there's no chance of them doing that right now. There's no chance of many of them going and, and rescuing anyone from Syria. What are they doing locally? Are they involved in Tara Kay's organization? Are they doing something to help there? Are they are they being mentor families? Are they? I just think that it's so easy again for us to have opinions about everything, and we're just as a Christian response is that we don't talk about things, we do things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and while we do things, and we back up what we're doing with our words, that we don't back up. Uh, you know, we don't start with just words and end them there. So I think that the situation is complex, and maybe we'll talk more about this in the future. But I, I do think it's more complex than just putting a blog out and giving an opinion about whether we should uh, accept Syrian refugee, refugees or not. Yeah. In reference to what you just said, uh, uh, Jeff, the, the, you know, the threat is real. Uh, obviously, there, there's a domestic and then, then there's the international side. But no, exactly what uh, Dave said. Uh, we need to concentrate more on, on what, what we have here. What's going on now? After these these people are vetted through, obviously, a terrorist organization, they've pretty much uh, weeded out. Uh, I would have to say a, a good majority, uh, if not all, of, uh, of of the threats. So that kind of organization needs to have our support, uh, whether it's financial, prayer, 
anything else that that organization needs. But uh, it's really important that your your listeners understand that they really need to be prepared. Uh, I'm not saying another 9-11 is going to happen. God God for, forbid anything like that should ever happen again. But my agency, what, what we're seeing, I can't go into specifics, but it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. I'll just you know have to leave it at that. But the most important thing for, for people out there that, that, that are listening, keep praying, read your Bible, be prepared, help others that need it, family, mm-hmm. friends, relatives, your local church. Keep it at that for uh, right now. I'd kind of go along the same thread. You know, I think, especially speaking from a, coming from the millennial generation, I think our, our tendency is to have knee-jerk reactions and, and sit all day and, and kind of share our opinions, whether it's arguing on Facebook or social media. But um, I think as believers, um, yes, it's important to 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 push our opinions. But I think it's more important to actually do what we know is right and, and to do what we are capable of at the moment. You know, as Dave said, for us to specifically save, you know, a refugee at the moment might be difficult, you know, but there are ways that we can help, you know, whether it's getting involved with an organization like World Relief or maybe it's it's being intentional about, um, you know, just sharing Christ with the people in our neighborhood that we know aren't believers yet. You know, because there's people that don't know Jesus all around us, and it's our responsibility to to let our neighbors who who don't know Jesus know Jesus, whether they're immigrants, whether they're refugees, whether they're you know they grew up in America, and so that's that's the compassion that we need to show. And yes, you know, some of that should involve hopefully refugees, um, but within the the means and scope of what we're capable of, I think the more that we can do. And, and actually do things, the better, as opposed to just sit on the couch and, and talk about it and not do anything. I don't know if that makes any sense or if that steps on people's toes, but um, that, that's what I think we need to do is just get up and actually start living out what we're talking about. I'm with you, Jason. And my flesh says we should be afraid of people outside of our front doors based on what I see in the news. And Tara, I'm so glad that you not only are here on the show, but that you do what you do, that you show that there's actually real people that can really care for people. And it also encourages me that I need to actually not be afraid of what what is put in the media because I think it's really easy to get afraid, you know, and to look at, at life and people who are different than us. Naturally, we're afraid of those kinds of people because, for one thing, I don't speak probably their language. And that's a difficulty if I can't communicate to them or if they're talking and I'm thinking, what are they saying about me? What are they saying? You know, and, and I, in my own flesh, I get afraid. But I know when I read the Bible, there are many people that I'm going to interact with that are different from me. And yet God calls me to go and to share the good news of his son who came here, who solved the problem that all humanity faces, and that is the problem with sin. And with that, we get God's spirit within us. So, Tara, I'd like you to share a little bit about how people can get involved with helping refugees in our own backyard here. And, and I know with World Relief, you guys do some fantastic work. First and foremost, want to just remind everybody, I agree with what we, what everybody has said here because I experience fear as well myself and I appreciate the knowledge. I, I learned a lot, especially from Bill today. And I'm just, I want everybody in the midst of Thanksgiving season to just, first of all, be thankful for the security that, um, we have here and, and also realize that some people were born in countries that they did not, they do not have that same sense of security and to remember that and, uh, to get involved during, this is a great time of year, Thanksgiving and Christmas. It's a great time of year to get involved with the people who are in need in our community. And our community right now, Appleton, Oshkosh, and now Green Bay too, 
Um, it includes refugees. Uh, we are resettling families here. And our title of our program is Why Do We Need Refugees? And I think that we need refugees because they teach us stuff about ourselves as well. I, I've been I was volunteering with World Relief before I started working there. And I've had so many opportunities to meet people from all over the world that I never would have had the chance. I've learned about countries. I've learned about cultures. And I learned a lot about myself, too, and how I need to be just open to things that are different. Um, and, and learning different languages and, and how people do things in different cultures. And it's been such a blessing. And, and I have never had the experience of being afraid of any of the clients that we assist. In fact, I've had people, any time that I assist them, most of the time they're wanting to give me food. They want me to come into their home. They have been so welcoming even of me into their mm-hmm. home, into their culture. So it's just been a very rewarding experience um, and if, with my time so far with World Relief. And I just want to encourage anybody who has been listening and who wants to get involved and thinking about the Good Samaritan story. I mean, the the person who, the Good Samaritan helped that person, not just with their immediate need, but he said, it, you know, he took him to the, the inn and said, take care of him. And if, if it requires more, then I will come back. And so we are looking for people who are willing to help us uh, resettle refugees within their first 90 days, but even after that, to be a good neighbor team or to be a community mentor, to be a friend. So there's going to be an opportunities coming up um, in the Fox Valley area for you to find out more information about how to do that. We have a volunteer information night coming up um, December 1st at our Appleton office. It's 217 East Pacific Street in Appleton. Um, if you're interested in Green Bay area, we are also receiving settling some Somali refugees here. So if you're interested in being a volunteer or even how your church could get involved in doing a donation drive, uh, please come to the Appleton Information Night. And if you're in the Oshkosh area or even maybe the Fond du Lac area, you're interested in volunteering or doing a donation drive of some kind, um, please come to our Information Night. It is December 8th in Oshkosh at our office. It's 115 Washington Ave. Um, And those are both Tuesday nights at 630, December 1st in Appleton um, at 630 and Tuesday night, December 8th in Oshkosh at 6.30. Alright, those are both in our show notes at HopeNet360.com. HopeNet360.com is the place to go to find all of our past episodes, subscribe to the podcast, check out conversations that we've had previously, and also to be a part of our online community. You can go there and check things out. Also, if you need to tonight, you can chat with a live coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Click on that chat with a live coach button. For all of us here on HopeNet Radio, thanks for joining us for this hefty conversation. We'll see you guys online and next week. I'll go Homeland Security, dude. <laughs> <laughs>